Alrighty, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Time Out with Doc and Caveman. As always, you are here with Dr. Fantasy and my co-host, the Fantasy Caveman. We are rolling through our NBA team previews. Today, we're going to be talking about the Toronto Raptors. Before I get rolling, I just want to remind everybody to subscribe on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. We are still on our non-playoff teams here, so we have lots of content coming out over the next few weeks leading up to the season. So make sure you tune into that. But today, Toronto Raptors going over their 2020 season. They were 27 and 45 under Nick Nurse. They finished 12th in the Eastern Conference. Looking at some of their offensive and defensive efficiencies, they were kind of average. They weren't as bad as you would think, considering where they finished in the Eastern Conference. They were 16th in offensive rating, 15th in defensive rating. So like I said, right in the middle for both of them. One of their big weaknesses when I was reviewing their stats was in rebounding, which that was something I talked about a lot last offseason when they lost Mark Gasol and they really had question marks down in the post. Um, but they finished second to last in rebounding in the league, both offensively and defensively. So that was a big concern for them. Their season leaders, Pascal Siakam at 21.4 points, Fred Van Fleet, 19.6. Norman Powell, who ended up being traded to the Trailblazers midseason at 19.6. Gary Trent at 16.2. Rebounds, they had Ken Birch at 7.6. Siakam at 7.2. And Chris Boucher at 6.7. Assists, good old Kyle Lowry at 7.3. Fred Van Fleet at 6.3. Steals Van Fleet 1.7. OG Ananobi at 1.5. And then finishing it off, blocks Chris Boucher at 1.9 and Kem Birch at 1.2. So, Caveman, disappointing season for the Raptors, only a few years coming off of a championship. But was there anybody that stood out for you? Yeah, and first, before I get into it, I have a question. And this is kind of, you know, I was higher. I was definitely higher on the Raptors going into last season. But before we get into how much of a factor? did not playing in Toronto because they couldn't play in Toronto because of COVID and all the pandemic and all that stuff. How much, how much did that affect the season? I mean, to me a lot, it was one of the things I was going to bring up too, is they had the most games postponed or moved due to the pandemic. So I think it was hard for them to get into a rhythm the entire season. And even when you look at their point differential, they were almost even on the season. So to be one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference, and really they weren't losing by much the entire year. There was a point a month I was reading an article with a month left in the season. They actually had a positive point differential, but they were 15 games below 500. I mean, you just don't really ever see that. So this isn't a team that played terribly, but it felt like they never got into a rhythm. They had some injuries, and I don't think that this team is as bad as they played or their record shows last season. Yeah, I think I, I don't think uh, the not having that home court. And Toronto is one of those teams, you know, you can, it, it feels a cop-out to say this, about, but, but with Toronto especially – Toronto, Toronto's one of those thriving on uh, thrives on home court advantage. The the whole the whole we the no, the whole we the North uh, saying when they won when they won their championship like that's like that's something that cannot be understated. So they definitely that's why 
No, that's why I take that's why I take their bad season with a bit of a grain of salt. Is that you know they're not going to be this bad next season. Uh, I expect them to have their placing. Well, we'll get into that, but uh, <clears throat> for me, I mean, and this is a guy I, I I feel like I might be stealing this guy from you, but my guy my guy that really impressed was uh, Malachi Flynn. Uh, I mean, he was. When they picked him, he was basically viewed as the successor to Kyle Lowry, which I, as a fan, I'm, I'm kind of sad to see Kyle Lowry no longer in Toronto. But, you know, uh, that's the nature of the business, and you move on. Uh, while, while Flynn wasn't necessarily shooting great, he did kind of show those intangi- intangibles. And as the season went on, you kind of saw them. Lowry was playing a little bit, playing less and less, and Flynn was getting more time. And actually, he actually, uh, he actually did earn East, uh, Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month honors in April, averaging 12.7 points, 4.8 assists, and 4.1 rebounds in 15 games, including eight starts. So I think. I really think he showed, and this year is going to be key for him. It's going to be a lot of. It's he's going he's going to he's going to be asked he's going to be asked to do a lot more in the absence of Kyle Lowry this year. Uh, you know, him and Van Fleet's going to kind of is, is basically the backcourt of the future there. So I think I think he's ready to take the next step, and I liked what I saw from him when he when he was given the opportunity last year. Yeah, and I'm interested to see where he fits into the picture long term, because I'm not as sure that he's 100% the future. I mean, I think that Fred Van Fleet is definitely going to be their most likely point guard of the future, but either way, backcourt of the future. A guy that actually uh, really surprised me last year was Gary Trent, who came over in the deal um, from Portland. He ended up starting 15 games for him at the end of the year. He averaged 16 points, um, was a really effective three-point shooter, making almost three a game, shot 80% from the free throw line. I mean, this is a guy that was a second-round pick, not really high expectations coming into the league. And towards his end of the time with the Trailblazers, and he continued that momentum heading into Toronto as well, he played really well. And I think that he's probably going to start the year um, in the starting lineup for Toronto. I think him and Van Fleet are going to end up starting together. And interestingly enough, he has two more years of experience. Actually, this is going to be his fifth year in the league and he's younger than Malachi Flynn. He's still only 22 years old, Gary Trent. So I think he's interesting to see if he continues to develop in that backcourt. It's a good problem for them to have. I think Malachi Flynn could at least be a valuable piece off the bench, but Gary Trent, I think, has more upside than a lot of people are giving him credit for, and I'm interested to see how he does this season, to see if he continues to grow, because he averaged only two two points his first season, almost nine his second year, and then last year, he uh, kind of broke onto the scene, averaging 15 and a half between his time in Portland and Toronto, so if he can take another step forward, average almost 20, I think he's an interesting name to keep an eye out on, so... um, Quick, I wanna and I, I kind of usually I don't just don't do this with these with these teams, but am I the only one that didn't like Siakam? Wasn't impressed at all with Siakam last year. I mean, I know. I mean, obviously he led the team in points and rebounds, but that you that doesn't always tell the whole story. I personally 
would have liked to see a lot more growth from Siakam. I think going into last year, I was like, okay, Siakam has superstar potential if he just keeps building himself. I don't think he did anything to get go towards that status. Uh, I think. What 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 do you think? What what did you think about Siakam's performance overall? Yeah, I think it's similar to I was talking to somebody about this today with Tyler Hero. Everybody thought it was his big breakout and he didn't have a bad season last year. It was just that he didn't live up to expectations. It's a little different here because Tyler Hero's 21. Siakam's going to end up being 28 during this season. But yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, He had a very, and he was banged up a little bit, but he had a disappointing follow-up season because after the championship a few years ago, people said, okay, you know, he has the potential to be a superstar. He really came alive during that playoff run. And then last season, you're like, okay, he averaged almost 23 points. He looked really good. And then last year, he averaged fewer points than he did the year before. He averaged less rebounds. His percent, his free or three point percentage was only 29%. So that was down compared to previous seasons. So yeah, I think he, we may have seen a situation where Siakam may not be the superstar that we thought he was. Yes, I think that's a potential. I'm not going to completely write him off yet because he was plagued by injuries last season. But yeah, I think he's still a star. Yeah, no, he's a good, you know, second guy on a championship roster, which he was during the championship run. I mean, that's a perfect example. I keep saying like with the Spurs, like the Spurs have all these young pieces. They just need Kawhi. I mean, you can say the same thing with the Raptors. Like, they still have a really good team with a lot of great rotational pieces. They just need that guy. They need like, <laughs> like, I mean, that's <laughs> it's the same concept here. So I think that's what we're seeing here is if Siakam is the guy for the Raptors, they're not going to be championship contenders. Can they make the playoffs? Sure, they can. But are they going to be championship contenders? I'd say absolutely not. So um, let's go. That transitions a little bit to talk about their future and what they've done this offseason so far, it does feel weird because Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan for a while were Toronto. Now DeRozan's been in San Antonio. Now he's off to Chicago. You have Kyle Lowry officially gone. I mean, this officially starts a new era of Toronto basketball, and I don't think Siakam's going to be the face of it. They acquired Scotty Barnes in the draft at four overall. Then a few other um, guys later in the second, Delano Banton, 46 overall and David Johnson 47 they just keep adding guards right now so I think that's been kind of interesting and then uh, through free agency slash trades they uh, acquired Goran Dragic Precious Achua who I thought was a very nice pickup for them and then they did re-sign Kem Birch who was one of their rebounding leaders the only guys they really lost this offseason we mentioned Kyle Lowry already they also lost DeAndre Bembry, who p- played some minutes off the bench for him. Aaron Baines, who was another guy that played some minutes in the front court for him. And then Rodney Hood, a nice 3 and D player there. But what do you think about this offseason for him so far? Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, obviously, you know, we talk, we, we both have mentioned it already. It's kind of, it was definitely, ex- we all expected that last season was it for Kyle Lowry and stuff. It's kind of, you know, the way Toronto was heading, the way that Kyle Lowry's career was, you know, Kyle Lowry is still can be, is still productive enough where he can be a key piece on a championship team. He still has that in him. So it's kind of, it made sense for them to kind of part ways. And we'll talk about, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about him 
a lot more at length when we do the Miami Heat uh, episode because I'm sure you love that pickup for Miami. Uh, but they also did. They also added Sam Decker. You forgot about Sam Decker. And they added Isaac Banga as well. You forgot about those key names. Sam De- you're just saying that because of Wisconsin. No, I'm only saying that because last it was. I think it was last year where when when Sam Decker wasn't signed anywhere and he was a free agent, he was like, he was like, he, he basically said, "I'll pay anybody to play the the, the play to play for you." So I was like, "Oh, he, he actually so did it." So, but yeah, you know, relatively Scotty Barnes was a, and this is and this is where you know when we when we did when we went live for the draft, this is like okay. Because a lot of people are expected expected them to go Jalen Suggs, uh, but they went Scotty Barnes instead, which, which I predicted. I'm gonna say it. I predicted correctly. Just want just want that to be known once again. Because uh, I really think Scotty Barnes fits that mold, that Toronto Raptors mold type of player. So I think. Uh, that was a smart move for him, but yeah, you, like you said with uh, like you said with Siakam not being the face of the franchise, the being really the face of the the team anymore. I think this is Toronto's in a weird spot because they don't really. I mean, Siakam and Van Fleet are their best, but I, I wouldn't consider either either of them to be like the face of a franchise type of player. Uh, Scotty Barnes, we'll see. We'll see how he does coming out of the gate. But you know, he has the potential. The the way the way his mindset and his work ethic and his game, he has the potential to be a face of the franchise type guy with just based on his mold. So we'll have to see there. But overall, I I think it was a nest. Now I think it was a necessary off season. I would say kind of a weird term to use, but it was kind of, I think they made the necessary moves that they needed to make to go in the right direction. I think what they did is they had a good mix of adding pieces like Dragic that are going to make them competitive now, but also building for the future. So I don't think that they're going to be as bad as they were last year, but I think that, I mean, Scotty Barnes is one of my boys from this draft he, I think, you know, I compared him to Jimmy Butler before. I think he can bring that kind of energy and that kind of swagger to Toronto. And I think he can be the face of the new culture that they're trying to instill here. So is he going to do that from day one? I would say he's the kind of guy, maybe not on the court by being, you know, their leader in points and rebounds. But I think just from an energy standpoint, I do think he can be a leader from day one, no matter what age he is. So I'm excited to see what he does early in the season. But with that, I mean, and he gives them some defensive versatility. This is a team that really was one of the top defensive teams. I really respect Nick Nurse's system too. He was uh, their defensive system over the last few years was really great, and I think it speaks volume that even with the turnover and dealing with a lot of adversity last year, that this was still league average defense, which is kind of incredible considering the circumstances that they face. So yeah, to Chua too, who adds some defensive versatility. I, I like a few of those moves. So. Let's uh, go over their depth chart right now and talk about where it stands. In the backcourt right now, they have Fred Van Fleet and Gary Trent listed as the starters. And then they have Malachi Flanagan and Goran Dragic coming off the bench. 
um, and Wantanabe as well, who played some minutes for him last year. At the three, they still have OG and Anobi at, listed as the starter, but that's going to change at some point. And Anobi is a nice uh, defender, a nice six-man off the bench, a guy you can rely on to be a great defender. But Scotty Barnes is the future of that team. So you'll see him take that over eventually. Uh, then in the front court, you have Siakam and um, Ken Birch starting with Chris Boucher and Precious Achua listed as the backups right now. So uh, what do you think about this depth chart and where it stands right now? I mean, I, I mean, I, I personally, I'd like to the point you made about OG and Anobi possibly coming off the bench. Uh, like me personally, I'm looking at it. I personally, I, I think Malachi Flynn deserve, showed that he deserves a really long look this year to determine whether he can be the point guard. I mean, you, I talked about him earlier with his numbers that he put up without Lowry and especially towards the end of the year. So. I I wouldn't be opposed to a like a Malachi Flynn Van Fleet backcourt and then uh get either Gary Trent or or OG Ananobi at the three you kind of see you kind of depends kind of depends on what you want I think that could be uh, any given night kind of decision whether you think you need more offense or defense in the starting lineup. I think that's the route you go, and then obviously Siakam, and then I think you can flip a coin between Boucher and Birch, if we're being honest, for the starting five. Which I mean, could be teams are in worse situations, but uh, but I did do like Boucher averaged almost two blocks a game. He is a he is a defensive. He is a he is a force. He is a force down down low and he really is uh he 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 knows how to he knows how to get them blocks so kind of kind of a defensive identity sort of thing that Toronto needs so I think uh I think Boucher makes more sense at least initially off the bat in the starting lineup so overall good solid depth though I mean especially you got Gord Dragic is a uh very underrated depth for them, uh, especially you know, Van, especially with the, their the backcourt one you mentioned, Malachi Flint. Well, Malachi Flynn and Gary Trent are what 22, 23, I think. I think Malachi Flint's 23. Uh, then you obviously you got Scotty Barnes who's young yet. So Goran Dragic's the perfect guy, the perfect role. Uh, player perfect uh, kind of the run to second unit type of guy so I love I like their depth chart uh, overall I just don't and we'll talk and uh, we'll talk about it when we get to their predictions but it's a solid depth chart I just don't know how far this team how far the depth is really going to take them yeah, I mean, realistically, it doesn't matter who is the starter between Birch and Boucher. They're going to get the same number of minutes coming and playing off of one another. 24 minutes. Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't matter who's technically starting. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I like the Dragic pickup quite a bit, and I've mentioned this in other episodes. It's always a big question, who's leading that second unit? And, I mean, they have a great answer in Goran Dragic, who's led 
champ, not champion. Well, yeah, I mean, championship caliber teams when he was with the Heat. I mean, they went to the finals. I mean, so he's proven to be a very capable scorer and leader. So I think he's a fantastic pickup off the or, and uh, coming off the bench for him. He's going to be fantastic. If I was them, I actually would slide Siakam to the five and play a little bit of small ball based on how they're built right now. Because I he, think Scotty Barnes is so long that he could play the four for you, defend multiple positions. And then I'd keep Ananobi in the starting lineup. And the reason why is I don't, he's probably another guy that we should have given more credit for the guys that impressed us last season, but he showed a lot of improvement last year offensively. He was a guy the first three seasons of his career only averaged eight points a game, and he averaged almost 16 last year, shot 40% from three point land. And he just proved to be really effective. We've known he was going to be a good defender. He's been a good defender for him the last few years. But last year, you finally say, okay, like he can score a little bit. So I'm interested to see, once again, similar to Gary Trent, both of these guys, I think, are fighting for their futures on this team because I do think they want Malachi Flynn, Van Fleet to be involved long term. But I think, I think whether I think or not. Ideally, yeah. I like it. Like, like, like I said, I think ideally long term. They, that's what they want. They want the backcourt to be Flynn and Van Fleet. That's what they're going to try. But to if do. Gary Trent and OG Ananobi keep taking steps forward, they're going to make it tough to put them on the bench or, and vice versa. So it's interesting. There's a little didn't bit of competition they, didn't here. They pay, didn't they pay one, at least one of them? Like one, They paid up for one of them. Gary Trent did um, sign a contract this offseason. So he, uh, I think it was, yeah, three-year, $54 million. Gary Trent. So he's definitely a part of the play. That's why I don't think he's going to the bench. I don't think you're paying him to come off the bench. So, but still, I think Ananobi and Gary and, Trent. And, oh, and they, they signed Ananobi too last year. They signed him to a four year, $72 million extension last year. Okay. Yeah. So they both so are going to be a big both. part of the future. So real. Once again, too, it's one of those things where it doesn't matter technically who's starting. Probably not because they're all going to get their minutes. But I mean, we're talking about a lot of names here. And I think that's one of the things that is still underrated. And I talked about it last year with the Suns, with the Hawks. I didn't think they were going to be as successful as they were. But I think depth is really important. And this team, I like it. They have depth really at every position. They have backcourt depth. They have uh, you know, we mentioned with Boucher, Birch, they have multiple starters. Scotty Barnes can move absolutely everywhere. Achua gives them more versatility. I like their depth quite a bit, and I think this is a team that's going to be top 10 defensively. I think that even if they're average offensively, this is a team most people are expecting to miss the playoffs next year, but I don't think that I personally would sleep on them. I think that they were only a few games. I mean, they were 12th last year, so you need to make it into the top 10. I mean, I'll go out. It's not going out on a limb, but most people think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the conference. But I think that they're going to surprise and be in the playoffs next year. All right, that, that's a good point leading into where we think they're how they, how we think they're going to do next year. Uh, so you're so you're so you are saying they're going to make the playoffs next year. They're going to be in the top ten. Yep. yep. I mean, I want to. I really want to say that, but this is a class. This is a product that the East as a whole. Man, it's it's so crowded after you talk after like the first like six teams, six or seven teams. You got those eight through ten seeds that could pretty much you you might be able to make a case for everybody but the Orlando Magic to be in the playoffs. <laughs> we're being we're being. Oh, if yeah. we're being honest, so anyway, eight 
eight to eleven can literally be like seven or like seven or eight teams for three spots. So it's gonna be so. Yeah, Toronto's gonna be in the conversation. Uh, me personally, I don't think they get in. There are teams that there are teams like I like. I honestly, I like Charlotte more. I actually like Detroit more. Uh, you know, there's just I like the Bulls more. Uh, there's, I mean, and that's not a shit. That's just it's just a product of you know. It's just it's just a product of the East being so much more tough to predict this year. I think they're not going to be the worst team in the. We already know the worst team in the East is going to be Orlando Magic. Uh, <laughs> so we know that. So they're not going to be the worst team. But they're honestly going to be somewhere. They're going to be somewhere from 8 to 14. <laughs> That's the general thing. They'll be somewhere from 8 to 14. It would not shock me if they made the playoffs. I really think it's. It, I think really think it is throwing dart to the dartboard to predict the 8 through 10 teams. So. I don't have them in, but it would not shock me one bit if they if they sneak in. I guess I'll be a little more decisive than you will be. I definitely <laughs> I will have them above the Hornets. I think the Hornets have a better roster, but I don't think that they're going to play tough enough defense to be. Uh, I don't want to say competitive because that's being harsh, but I think that they'll finish ahead of the Hornets. I think the Knicks are going to regress a lot. I do not like what they did this off season. I think that their defense isn't going to be as strong as it was last year. So I think that the Raptors hop over both of those teams. They'll hop over the Wizards. That puts them in the ninth no, yes, seed. Yes, forgot so. about the Wizards. The Wizards will be the Wizard. The, the Wizards will be 14. So I have the Raptors. If I had to pick right now, and we'll do our standings predictions closer to the season, but as it stands right now, I believe I would have the Raptors ninth in the Eastern Conference. And I know that I would be in the minority there, but I just, I have a lot of, I really like Nick Nurse. I like their defensive system. I think they're going to be really good defensively. And I think with a consistent schedule, I think they're going to be out to prove a lot of people wrong this year. Yeah, so, I, I, and I, I will say if Siakam turns out and improves it is not just a star he he if he and he's running he's kind not out of time but he's kind of running out of time a little bit to prove that, that he can be a superstar but if he takes that vault into becoming almost a superstar like player then my opinion totally changes so i think that that's a big piece for me is whether siakam can actually improve and not just you know kind of stat- be status quo i think that's kind of a big that that's 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 really big for me when it comes to when it comes to this team yeah and i think one of the questions i think they'll be close in the standings with the hornets and i don't know that's going to be an interesting one to break down because i the hornets are one of those teams i feel like i my Judgment gets clouded because of Lamelo, but they did bring in like I, Kelly Oubre. I, they weren't terrible. I'm totally not. I'm totally not favoring the Hornets for any reason. Nope, not at all. See, I feel like <laughs> I get the opposite. Is like you love them so much, I have to balance it out with a steady stream of <laughs> hatred. Realistically, though, they were an average defensive team in the league last year. The Hornets, they were about at the same level as the Hor- or the Raptors. I just looked it up. They were literally next to each other. So, I mean, this isn't wasn't a terrible defensive team. I just think I am hating on them. But 
I uh, I don't know. I I just I like the depth of the Raptors and their system. So I you said it though. The Eastern Conference as a whole is going to be really competitive and fun because I wouldn't be surprised if I'd be. Honestly, I'd still be a little surprised if the Cavaliers made the playoffs, but they have a lot of talent, so I, I guess I wouldn't be overly shocked. But, I mean, if, like you said, anyone except the Magic, and even the Magic, the way that they're built, they have a lot of tough players. They're not going to win a lot of games, but they're not going to lose a lot of games by a lot of points because they're going to the be Wizards. tough. Don't forget the, the Wizards. The Wizards. Nope, nope not the yeah. Wizards. We're sorry. The Wizards. Nope. Just nope. And, I mean, we'll talk about it when we get to the Wizards. I wouldn't be surprised if they were the worst team in the Eastern Conference, if we're being honest about it. I think the Magic are going to be really I, – I think the I just like the way that they're building. They're going to be tough. They're not going to just go down and say, oh, we suck. They have a lot of gritty players, and I like the way they're building. So um, I think that's it, then. We're talking about teams that aren't the uh, aren't well, the Raptors the here. Cue, that's our cue to stop, so <laughs> – the next episode we're going to have rolling, I'm looking at my list here, the Sacramento Kings. So make sure you guys subscribe on YouTube and wherever you're listening to podcasts, and you'll get lots of great content, tons of previews to come. So keep an eye out, and we'll see you guys next time. Yep. Yeah. All right.